Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. It is baseball preview week. We are talking MLB all this week here. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe, and we are going right to the heart of Wrigleyville right now to talk to my man, Ari Strauss. We usually do this by text thread, but let's do it by pod this year. We're talking some Cubs. Ari, how are you today? You're in Sluggers right now. I'm in Sluggers right now. I don't know if you can hear uh, the mild vibe on a Monday, but um, because it's Cubs socks, you're getting you know all angles of the city coming out to watch because you know the hype's alive for the White Sox too. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting here giving, trying to give you the most realistic uh, fact as possible. Yes, yeah, so just kind of help us uh, help the listeners kind of understand, wrap their head around, you know, what has Wrigleyville been like over this past week? What do you guys have planned in place moving forward? It's obviously not going to look the same, but, you know, you have to be optimistic that Cubs baseball is back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've been dealing with a lot of challenges, just like everywhere else in the U.S. Um, our restrictions are 25% occupancy inside. Uh, our patio is full service. So um, there's no, you know, minimum capacity there. So luckily, Slunkers is, you know, uh, before the pandemic, the occupancy was 1,000 people. So with what we're limited to, we can have, you know, two to 250 people in this building and still have um, a modest atmosphere from what people have been used to in the last three months. So, you know, 200 people in this building will feel like a lot of energy. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, um, we've been getting by, but uh, we've been anxiously waiting for some Cubs games to get that, that boost we're looking for. Yeah, and for those who have never been to Sluggers before, Sluggers is huge. I mean, they have just a ginormous bar in the front with a dance floor. You walk into the back, there's a whole area with pool tables, games to be played, even more seating in the back. So for plenty of place for people to kind of be able to socially distance and still make it feel hopefully like uh, opening day coming up. You know, do you anticipate Wrigleyville? Do you anticipate people being around for Wrigleyville, or do you think it's going to be mild the way that you just put it, the way that it kind of is now? No, I think it's going to be a lot of excitement, at least for this first uh, night game, uh, you know, upcoming uh, Friday. Um, people want to be a part of something. They've been cooped up in their house all day, you know, all pandemic sake, and uh, they want to get, I think, as close to the action as possible. Um, and, you know, a lot of community websites and organizations have been trying to support us to let people know, you know, you got places to watch the Cubs game at. So we're getting ready for a mild rush. You know, there's, there's not going to be such thing as a post game um, because the city um, mandates that we must close at uh, 12 o'clock and liquor sales have to stop at 11. So... We don't want any games going into extra innings if they start at 7 o'clock. That's, uh, you know, another challenge that we don't want to have to face, right? So if the game ends at 10 o'clock, we're not going to get 40,000 people, unfortunately, walking out of Wrigley. But um, we're, we're expecting, you know, people hopefully coming in 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock to fill up the capacity that we're allowed to have. So it's going to be different. As this pandemic has been, it goes, it changes week by week. So, um, you know, we're going to learn things on the fly just like everybody else does. Yeah, the answer, the anecdote to that possible time crunch situation could be Craig Kimbrell. 
Uh, you might be. <laughs> we'll see yeah. how it goes. And you know, obviously, with the changing, they're changing the extra innings rules. They're going to put a man at second base for each yeah. top and bottom half of each inning of extra innings. Hopefully, expediting the process. Not going to tax bullpens too much. Keep the games a little bit shorter if possible. And yeah, you got to really hope that you know this is kind of a moment for sports where you know not only are the players coming back to try and give us something to hopefully maybe feel a little bit normal to as well, but you hope that it galvanizes the fans to want to be a part of the action, but to do it safely. And then they know exactly the protocols and ways to go about it to be safe. So hopefully that they can maybe enjoy that Wrigleyville vibe that me and you have been a part of our whole lives. Yeah. You know, two things I want to point out off of that. The first is how frustrated we all were of how difficult it was for players and owners to come to an agreement. I mean, I was ready to throw in the towel, Joe. I was, I was done, man. Like, uh, the clock was ticking, and uh, I kept seeing, like, they were playing, you know, tag here and there. And uh, so I'm happy that they got something. I'm, and honestly, I'm shocked. <laughs> uh, with that being said, now that we're heading into the 60-game season, who knows what the hell is going to happen during it, right? Who's going to get sick? let alone who's going to get hurt. Um, so there's so much unpredictability. I mean, I, I read this article earlier today that one guy likes the Cincinnati Reds to win the division. I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, it's 60 games. They said that if you lose three games in a row, that's equivalent to an eight-game losing streak in a regular season. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very scary stuff. And there's a situation where the Pirates actually played 500 baseball, I think, through 45, 46 games last year. And there could be a scenario, especially in the NL Central, where all four of those teams could be separated by three or four games with four or five games left to play. I mean, uh, a three-game yeah, yeah. streak, what, takes like 17% off your playoff chances? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's scary. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be probably more of a roller coaster than we've ever been used to before. So let's kind of get into it a little bit. I mean, outside of all the other ancillary stuff, the bad PR from baseball, yeah, the hoping that we would get some sort of cool news, but the only cool news we would get would be owners and players denying each other's proposals. Let's just talk on the field. Let's talk Cubs. In terms of just the team and baseball being back, what are you most excited about to watch with this Cubs team? You talked about Craig Kimbrell. I want to see him be the lights-out guy that we were hoping to get at the deadline. I mean, that was a disaster last year. That's going to be a big deal. Um, our starting rotation needs to step up after last year, We're after, you know, their, their uh, mid-season blunders. Uh, so they got to get that together. You know you're going to get 150 home runs between the big boys, right? Rizzo Baez, Schwarbs. But so, you know, the, the, the lineup's uh, predictable. It's more like the starting rotation is what, you know, we got a little bit concerned with. Quintana, I'm looking him up. I'm like, where? And he's got this thumb injury. I totally forgot about that. So um, they better figure some stuff fast. I don't know any of these relievers, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, we'll, 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 we'll learn fast who's going to step up and uh, who needs to get the hell out of the way. Yeah, we don't turn, have time for hiccups. Turns out yesterday, Jarrell Cotton might not be the answer. Uh, we might be able to call <laughs> check, please, on Jarrell Cotton. And yet, yeah. it, the starting rotation in a 60-game schedule, maybe David Ross can flex some of that rookie manager muscle and, and, you know, be able to work a bullpen through innings four, five, and six. You know, maybe do an Alec Mills-John uh, Lester combo start one of these days, see if they can mix and match. The thing that I'm most excited about 
And it's something that we've had this core together since 2015, 2016. But I dare you to tell me how many games has Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, and Schwarber all been in the same lineup at the same time, healthy, and at their baseline skill best. Now go back, Schwarber struggled the year after the World Series. Wilson Contreras pops his hamstring every August. You know, Rizzo has the back thing. KB has battled injuries. I want to see those five guys together in a lineup for 20 to 25 games. And let's just see what that actually is going to look like. Because I don't know if we've ever gotten that full picture of those five guys swinging a stick together at the same time. You know, every team battles with injuries, right? And every, every, every fan from every team wants to see all their guys in top form. So it's just a part of baseball. It's a part of sports. Uh, what I will say is that we're not off to a good start with that dream because I heard Rizzo's got some back problems already out the gate. So I'm hoping he plays Friday along with the rest of the guys. He looks great. He shaved a ton of weight. He looks great. He looks like he's 24. The jawline, can we talk about it? I mean, it is. The jawline, I mean, I mean, can he act with Kevin Hart and The Rock? Throw him in there. <laughs> Honestly, he looks like a Miles Teller, like training for a boxing video or something. I mean, he's like ready. Country strong, no more. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not in the hips anymore. It's all in the jaw. And, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, hopefully he can get out there. Of all the guys to be battling an injury, I trust Rizzo the most. I mean, the dude's a gamer. I mean, all, all we need to know is that sprained ankle situation last year, and he still came out raking. Uh, but yeah, can it's, I ask you a question? Can I yeah. ask you a question? Who's our leadoff man? Can I, oh, this is great, dude, because I wanted to get into this with you. This was my very next topic. Let's talk about it, right? Who is our leadoff man? David Ross says it's going to be KB and Rizzo at the top, right? Now let's see how that experiment goes. Can KB do it? He, he is one of the more intelligent hitters that we have. He can definitely work in a bat. He can also swing and miss a little bit. Well, my question is, if that is the answer, who's our number three hitter? Do you like Javi Baez in that three hole? You know, you get runners on first and second. You need someone to make contact and at least keep that inning going for maybe a big inning. Is Javi Baez that guy? He seems his splits show that he's better hitting cleanup. Schwarber's splits say that he's better hitting fourth, fifth. Is Schwarber the guy in the number three hole? Would you experiment with Jay Hay? I don't know who our leadoff hitter is because right now it looks like it's going to be KB out of the gate, but I'm not buying into it. What do you think? Why don't we work on this in the offseason? I mean, a part of a good leadoff man is speed. None of these guys are fast, okay? You want to talk about on-base percentage. I'm not convinced of any of those big dogs. I don't want Baez uh, one or two, and I don't want him three. I don't, I don't like his plate discipline. I, 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 in fact, I think he's got the least out of all of them. Yes, has he gotten better? Does he have value, this and that? But uh, I'm not confident in the plate with plate discipline. You know, I like him in, I like him fifth, right? Baez, let somebody else make a mistake to bring him in. I don't like him having the sole pressure. Um, the Rizzo leadoff thing, that was cute last year for a little bit, but uh, – Again, it's an experiment. Uh, KB, seems like he's lost a little bit of power. Something's wrong there. Um, so I don't mind him in the two-hole. Seemed like it worked okay uh, last year, but it's, I feel like you could put KB anywhere between two and five. Yeah, the other, part, the other part about it, too, is the more that the KB, Rizzo, Javi, Baez, Schwarber, Wilson, Contreras idea sounds great. 
But that back half of the lineup, now all of a sudden you have tons of questions, and you're almost asking yourself, are you giving away a free half inning because you got, you know, Hap whiffing, Jay Hay popping up, and Nico Horner hitting the ball hard? I almost think the Cubs really deep down inside want it to be Nico Horner, but they can't just put that on him yet. It's definitely not going to be Jason Kipnis because his on-base percentage has never been something that plays on the top of lineups. So it might be KB at first. See if Nico Horner hit the ball pretty hard yesterday. You know, could he be a guy that maybe they let him go there for a little bit and see if he can run with it? But I'm right there with you, Ari. Like, man, we only got 60 games, right? Like, it's not really time to tinker and toy around. It's a little bit about a get it and go. Figure this out as quick as you can. 100%. I got a fun stat for you. So Jason Hayward hit 251 last year, right? He had 129 at-bats hitting leadoff. Guess Jason Hayward's batting average hitting leadoff last year. Let me get this straight. He had 129 at-bats at leadoff. Okay, at leadoff. So we're looking at, okay, so we're looking at uh, about 30 games, roughly, 25, 30 games. Right around leadoff. Yeah, what was okay, his batting average what, when he hit leadoff? I'm going to guess it wasn't good. It's really bad. It's Was it one, under 200? 147. Yeah. So, so, so okay. think about so think about this for just a second. And this isn't me going to bat for Jay Hay to hit three or anything, but if you took away those 129 at-bats, Jason Hayward actually hit 286 last season with 21 home runs. You take his stuff that he did out of the leadoff spot where he hit 147, and now it looks like a 251. So, I mean, he definitely can't go in that spot either. You would think maybe Wilson Contreras, but Wilson Contreras puts up a bat at bat better than anybody else. I mean, we just need someone that's a pro. And isn't it ironic that this is the year that Zobrist retires and we get the DH and the, N- and the NL? And this is like tailor made for Zobrist to not play the field and just hit. Right? It's tragic. How about it? It's tragic. How about that? So I heard the, you know, because a bunch, obviously there's a lot of new rules to cover and get familiar with. The DH is only assigned to the pitcher, I heard, right? So explain that. So basically what they're – they're just implementing American League rules. So I guess in theory they don't want the pitchers hitting at all. They don't want the exposure. So they're just creating the rule instead hard that you can't just – the DH spot is replacing what would be the pitcher's position. You can't hit Madison Bumgarner as a pitcher and then DH whoever plays first base, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I yeah. so, I mean, it's just the de facto pitcher spot is the DH. And they're saying that they're trying it out this year. I think it's here to stay. I don't think – I don't know how you introduce something and then just take it out of the game like that. And I think it's probably here to stay in the National League. Do you like it, dislike it, or, you know, epithet- I, I dislike yeah. it. I'm a traditionalist, but I have heard that this season is the season for experimentation, right, to try to – lure in the younger demographics to speed up the game to make it you know more exciting more pop so yeah i mean they're 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 tinkering around with a lot of stuff this year so it doesn't surprise me uh if it does stick but um again all these crazy rules i can't keep up with them joe i can't i'm an old man now i I just want my uh my lester to strike out and just move on to the leadoff man that we don't have when I was growing up, you showed up to the game, they threw it, they caught it, that was it. Now there's all these, now there's all these <laughs> rules going on. Yeah, extra innings, uh, hitter starts at second base. We're doing yeah. the DH rule there. Also, 
and it's going to be interesting. I was talking about this on a previous pod. Maybe you could rate it on like a scale of one to 10. How much do you think no fans at Wrigley Field is going to affect players? Now, in my opinion, certain players, maybe like a U Darvish would actually benefit from no fans because he likes to be focused. But a, but a guy like Javi Baez who plays at home with amazing splits, you know, on a scale of one to 10, do you think it's going to affect these guys' adrenaline? Do you think the ball is going to travel 10 feet less because they don't have the juice of the crowd uh, cheering them on? Yes, I do. I mean, you've heard all of them talk about how they're going to have to cope without it. Um, it's what these guys live for, man. They're modern-day gladiators. They go out there in front of 40,000 fans to get that juice, right? Um, so I, I know for a fact they're not excited about it. Um, what does pressure feel like when you're not in front of 40,000 people? What does pressure feel like when there's no one? What does it feel like uh, – when you're supposed to think it's a regular season game and there's what, no one there. Yeah, what does pressure feel like when the opponent throws seven shutout innings? It's two to nothing. The reliever comes in the eighth, and then, you know, like Jay Hayes singles, Contreras walks, it's first and second, nobody out, and all of a sudden a borderline pitch gets called for a ball. And now Wrigley really starts to get ramped up, and that reliever gets shooken up a little bit. The, the yeah. Gets a little oh, tighter. God, Joe, you're making sudden, me upset right now. The bases are loaded. Nobody out. Len Casper, you know, dropping that. Like, that's when those moments are really – that's nut crunch time, and I think that's really when fans are going to come into play. And, and maybe it won't have that effect. You know, maybe the reliever will be able to keep his marbles long enough to get out of an inning like that. But you know what, Joe? It's a wash for every team. No home – field is going to get that advantage so you can't really look at it as oh shit i wish i had it because they got it no it's so every, yeah, it's every game gonna, uh, every game is like a home game for the oakland a's basically <laughs> or the white Sox. <laughs> oh shots fired oh, oh zinger oh uh, it's a red line stop away ladies and gentlemen yeah <laughs> <laughs> But all yeah, of it's, uh, all of it's going to look different. The 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 swings, the hot streaks, the losing streaks, like you said. So Jojo, hold on. I wanna I wanna throw something in. Please. Um, I don't know if you caught wind, but the Wrigley rooftops will be available for spectators. So you better bring a damn megaphone and uh, make some noise. <laughs> make, let let you know. Uh, let, let them hear you. Yes. Uh, so I think there's about, let's say, a dozen rooftops, right? I think the Rickets and the Cubs own about 10 of them. Um, and the other two are independent. We're working with one of them to try to partner up with them and kind of make a fun experience for people that are going to the rooftop that want to come here. So we're trying to capitalize off that, and likely so. Uh, but, shit, maybe that's an advantage at Wrigley with those rooftops. Um, so if they want to get queued up there and try to make some noise, um, go for it, please. Make give, give us that advantage. But um, um, those tickets are going crazy high, right? Because those are a limited capacity too. So if you go on the secondary market, if you didn't even find it, um, it's it, it's probably interesting to keep an eye on on what those are going for. So, yeah. Well, there's a stigma that rich people don't cheer. So all those folks that are scooping up, those <laughs> tickets, you better be loud yeah. and proud. And then on top right. of that too, like there's a yeah, there's a there's a situation right where like Rizzo's walk up music happens, and everyone in Wrigleyville comes out of their houses for a couple seconds just to do the clap. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. having some sort of echo chamber throughout the throughout the Wrigleyville area. 
And there's got to be different ways to hopefully get creative about it because, you know, I remember only a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was two or three weeks ago, Crane Kenny said that there was going to be 20% attendance in the, in the state. Yeah. And now that, yeah. that's off the board. It doesn't look like it's going to come back at all. It looks like we're going to have like a fansless World Series. Um, there's got to be some sort of way to get creative. Also, with the uh, the Jumbotron, I see certain teams are allowing fans to record uh, chants, cheers, and other stuff on the Jumbotron, and they would cut it. Uh, after a guy like Hobby hits a home run, you could be up on the Jumbotron uh, with your chant or your cheer after he uh, if they select it after he hits a home run. I guess that's one way. To go. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I've, I've also heard that you can donate uh... – 20 or 40 bucks willing to make a cutout of you yes. and put them in the stands. Like, uh, what movie was it where they press the button and they flip up? Well, uh, well, Home Alone did it on the train. And then I <laughs> yeah. think there was a bit in FX2 when he's like, because he was like a movie magic guy and he was trying to like elude criminals and one of them like popped up or something. Yeah. Um, let's yeah. go back to the 80s and the, the 90s. I mean, yeah. Right. Let's get yeah. the cutouts. Yeah, sorry. They're doing it in Korea. They are, and it's, it's striking. I don't know how to, how to feel about it, but uh, in the IG generation, I get it. It probably gets some likes, gets a couple of clicks when you probably post it on there. Sure, um, just throw a sponsor on there. Yeah, I want to ask you, uh, this could be pitching offense uh, coaching staff. Give me an X factor. One guy who maybe is a little bit off the beaten path that if he shows up and delivers this season, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be in good shape. Um, I've been on the Kipnis bandwagon since we picked him up. Um, North Shore Prep. He, he, hell yeah. Uh, straight out of Northbrook. Uh, not in Trier, but uh, close enough. And, uh, yeah, it's, listen, you bring in that AL spark that was our rival in the 2016 World Series. Uh, you saw what he could bring. I don't believe all this um, over-the-hill crap about him that he's lost in value and, you know, Corners on his ass. Well, he can mentor him in the time being, but um, we need to give this the squad a little bit of edge. Kipnis is the bat. Um, he uh, was our first run last night. Doesn't shock me. Uh, so yeah, that that's my guy on board. He's my ice factor, Jason Kipnis. He still hit 17 home runs and drove him like 65 runs last year. So a guy who's got one step out the door. I mean, that's that's pretty. Why are we solid. overlooking him? I, I just I cannot figure it out. Because his OBP is bad. His advanced metrics are, aren't great. His hard his hard hit uh, ratio or whatever went down a little bit. But here's my thing with it: is again 60 game season. You know, I think maybe over the long haul, he's the type of guy that can't put together uh, an above average season. But I think he can put together an above average second half. And if you can keep him in the lineup, then I'm, I'm then I, you know the possibilities are endless. You can play Horner at shortstop. You can play Javi at third. You can move KB to the outfield on some days. You can rotate all these different kind of pieces You're around. Absolutely right. You know, I, I don't know how I feel about David Bodie at this time. He's still a huge question mark for me. So I'm looking at Kipnis and Horner to actually come up and, and deliver on a daily basis for us. Yep. Why is Ian Happ still around? Because he's got the, the – it's the toolkit. He's got the tools, my friend. And what, for four or five days, nobody gets hotter than Ian Happ. And then for 12 straight <laughs> at-bats, nobody swings and misses more than him. I just – I got to tell you this. He can't play center field. We can't we – What can't is he have, supposed to play? I don't even know. Left field. Right field. 
I mean, yeah. DH. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe he's our DH on certain days. I mean, I, I'm up for that too as well. But him in center field is just a bummer. I mean, I know that we play Jay Hay out of position, but he's a guy that's going to have to take some center field reps this season because we don't know what we're going to get from Al Mora on a consistent basis. But Ian Happ in center field is just not the answer for me at all. <laughs> um, real quick, is um... – is there deadline acquisitions available? Like, did they move that? Or is there a way where we can pick somebody else? Like, I get it. It's a 60-game season, and nobody really thinks they're going to suck and deal players. I, I get that. But I'm asking you if, you if you might have known anything about that. Well, Yasiel Puig is still a free agent. He signed a deal with That's the Braves. Cool. I would take him. He tested positive. They, they, they made that deal. Uh, it was contingent on him testing negative. He tested positive. So that deal was null and void. Maybe they work something out when he does clear quarantine. But again, he's a dude that's out there that can help you on a short-term basis. You know, in terms of the deadline, I mean, I'm just not optimistic from the Cubs' perspective because Theo and Jed Hoyer are always trying to game the system, always trying to figure out a way to, to jump the market. And this market is going to yeah. be so unpredictable, and it's going to be such a, a seller's market where they're going to be asking for so much. I just don't see it yeah. happening. And, and here's the thing yeah. is, if it doesn't work out for the Cubs this year, all they have to do is just say, well, this year was different. It was unprecedented. David Ross got his feet wet. We're ready to roll next year. They have such a free yeah. pass, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. If they stumble, they have carte blanche to do whatever they want. They can't blame the new manager. And then they get an opportunity to start all over again in 60 games. Now, do I think they have, like, the moxie and the talent and some of the horses to actually do something and make some noise? Of course. But in terms of buying and selling at the deadline, I don't see them doing anything. I, I just I just don't. And in terms of people cutting people and waving them and, and letting them become free agents, I don't really see that happening either in such a short span. It's going to be tough, I think, to add and subtract uh, in this 60-game schedule. So we, we got to deal with what we got is what you're saying. Alec Mills, baby. Alec Mills. We're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk about the pitching staff in a second, but real quick, we gotta do a quick break to talk about our sponsor today from Simply Safe. Audience members in Ari Strauss, you know what the number one sign of a bad home security system is? It's a home security system that's so complicated that you never use it. And that's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your home your own home 24-7. So now order online, you just open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It is that simple. So go to simplysafe.com backslash team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Again, simplysafe.com backslash team. It feels good to fear less with Simply Safe. Back to the Chicago Cubs preview pod. I'm talking to Ari Strauss in the heart of Wrigleyville at Sluggers right now. As you Darvish serves up taters to Eloy Jimenez. Thanks, Cubs. Um... Well, let's talk about that pitching staff a little bit. You know, there's still some talent on there. I think everyone, you know, John Lester is maybe the most polarizing player right now going on on the Chicago Cubs. Let's just start there. What do you expect out of John Lester in this 60-game stretch? Well, the long time off is going to go to his benefit at his age. I believe this is the last year of his contract. I've caught wind that um, – Odds of him re-signing are very slim. So um, maybe that could be some motivation for him to give it his all for the love of this franchise. Um, I would love to see that myself. So um, being our captain on the hill, our, our ace, even though Hendricks was named our opening day starter, um, 
you know, I, I'm cool with that too. But uh, I just hope he's staying in shape and not drinking too much. Let's put it that way. I haven't seen him. <laughs> confirmed. We have a confirmed yeah. non-sighting uh, at this time. Look, I'm totally with you. So here's how it works. He has a vesting option for $25 million. If he reached a certain innings count this year, that is prorated down to the 60-game schedule. So if he pitches sure. more than 72 innings, he actually has a vesting option for about $25 million that can be uh, exercised. The problem with is that, that a player's is, option? Um, I, believe it's, I believe it's baked into his deal. So he needs wow. to hit that escalator and then it kicks in. But here's the okay. thing. 72 innings over 12 starts. They're going to get about 10, 11, 12 starts. You know, that's he's got to average about six and a half innings per start. And that was hard for John Lester to do on a start-by-start -start basis last season. Was he able to do that for a couple months in a row? For sure. But, man, there are just some numbers that are really scary. You know, he had a 5.35 ERA in the second half last year. He had a 5.52 ERA in the first inning, 7.20 ERA in the fourth inning, and he had a 5.60 ERA with two outs in an inning. So he had a trouble closing out innings. He had trouble early on in games, sustaining that, trying to get deeper into games and pitch well. I'm right with you, though. It, it, it's crazy. It's the mystique, right? It's the, um, it's the Mark Burley. It's the Greg Maddox. It's the veteran moxie that I think Lester's actually going to give you eight to ten really strong starts. Now, strong starts, six innings, two runs. Yes, that is a strong start for me. And, you know, I don't know if he goes Chet Stedman and just, you know, lets it loose and just let the Rocket pitch one more game or anything like that. But if he can get off to a good start and get into a rhythm, if the Cubs make the playoffs, John Lester is actually a dangerous piece uh, heading into that playoffs. So my fingers are crossed, and it's a bit of a crossroads for that pitching starting rotation about what, which way it's going to go. But I'm with you. I'm hoping – I have optimistic hope for John Lester. Yeah, I mean, at his age, he, he could blow up at any second, right? So watching him right now these days is like uh, watching, you know, sitting on pins and needles, you know, being a lefty. It's, why is it always when a lefty's off, they're just way off? John Lester is the best at the one and one-third, seven runs given up outing. Uh, and then every, the rest of the season is sparkling. And that's yeah. the other thing, too, is if he has one of those starts, his ERA is going to jump to the moon. And he won't have the, the innings and the time to bring it back down, which could hurt his free agency value. So, Who's to say he even wants to play after this year, though? I, I question his motivation. Um, you know, I saw a picture on social media of him sitting on a big-ass yacht in the Chicago River with his gut hanging out. Yeah, I didn't like seeing that, honestly. <laughs> he, might be, he might be clocking out. I, he might not need that 25. Yeah, what I mean, is, I'll take it. What has the dude not done – uh, he's checked all the boxes in his career. You know, he's got a job waiting for him right. with the Chicago Cubs if he ever he wants it. Beat cancer. Yeah, beat cancer, two-time champ, top three Cy Young a couple of times. I mean, the dude got his paper with the Cubs. He's been worth every single penny. One of the greatest free agency really? signings in, what, Chicago sports history? Is there a better one? I, You know, I don't know, like Marion Hosa or something like that? Or, uh, he's up there. Yeah, Andre Dawson I, off the top of my head. So I, and that was the part of me that was really, that was the stuff that was really making me depressed about not having baseball this year was that it was robbing prime years from great players. And also these guys that we were, that were at the end of the road, the dudes, we yeah. to see throw one more time. I mean, Johnny Lester, man, he means so much to our franchise. I just want to see him throw a couple more times, like twirl, yeah. twirl me six innings and two runs, baby. Just twirl that yeah. and walk off the mound sweaty. 
and just completely right. drenched in sweat. Like, let me see that a couple more times. It looks like we just got to savor what we got in front of us, right? <laughs> this is all we got, baby. Just <laughs> be yeah. thankful for what we got. But like you said, with no fans, can we get quality baseball? That's the question. I'm not really seeing it right now, but it's like the mission. So. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wonky first couple of days, right? It might look a little weird. Some teams might yeah. come out clicking, other teams might come out looking terrible. So, so I'll tell you what though, I, I do wanna add this. Um, the because the lack of, of games this year, I think the um, the, 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 the the television channels are getting hooked up with all these prime time start times, right? You know, every game at Wrigley used to be one twenty this, one twenty that. If you look at the schedule now, well, most of them are at 7 o'clock. So you're not going to have fans. At least play under the lights. At least give um, the neighborhood a chance to get out after work, fill up the bars, fill up the restaurants, fill up the, 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 the damn porches out front. So I like what, what's ahead with the limited stuff that we can work with. Um, it helps our business, like I, I just mentioned. So, you know, maybe would, wouldn't you think that under the lights would help a little bit? I, I agree. I mean, I, it's one of the things that I hate to admit, but the way that they've been eliminating and reducing day games over the last several years, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Like, these athletes need a routine. It's been working for them. Obviously, the stories of the Chicago Cubs last year was that we were a dominant home team last year. And on the road, we couldn't win. Now, does that say anything about night games? No, but it says something about night games at Wrigley Field. And more night games at Wrigley Field is probably more of a home field advantage for the Cubs in general. And I'm with you. I think a little bit more of a routine in this time will at least hopefully get some of those kinks out, maybe help these guys lock in a little bit more. The thing that I've been thinking about, too, is, you know, they've been playing – these teams have been playing inter-squad games. And the thing that I'm worried about is, you know, all these Cubs – you know, the Cubs have only been facing Cubs pitching. And what have we been bitching about as Cubs fans and ownership the last couple of years is that we don't have a lot of power arms. And we don't have a ton of guys that throw 97, 98. I mean, we got Wick. We got maybe Kimbrell at 96, Darvish at 96, Rex Brothers at 95 last night on the gun. But, you know, are, are, are our hitters seeing enough heat during this time? I mean, is it going to put them back a little bit? Or do you think that could affect them? Because maybe we don't have the most dynamic pitching staff. Is that helping out our hitters? Uh, that's a valid point, Joe. Um, when you look at it like that, yeah, it's a little discouraging. Mm, that's a tough one. Uh, it's it's hard with these exhibition because you don't yeah. know how much effort they're actually putting in. Yeah, it's a when you win a World season. Series, you get a little, you get a little. Um, how do you call it? Not the championship hangover. I know a, that a four year a four year cushion. Uh, no, unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you need some power on. You're absolutely right. Uh, that's a scary thought. I, I don't. I mean, what, what's your take on the rest of the division in terms of their arms? I mean, obviously, Sox are shutting us down on the hill, and we got to play them. So, yeah, who in the division? So, real quick, NL Central. Who in the division scares you? Everyone on the Reds. You know, the Reds on paper, you know, are this fantasy darling right now because they just keep adding all these these home run hitters, but honestly, they look like a 2008 White Sox team. They look station to station to me a little bit. You know, are they going to be able to put together, string together hits, or are they just going to be waiting for the three-run home run? Who in the division scares you, Pirates, Brewers, Cardinals, or Reds? Uh, I mean, it's really like just throwing a bunch of marbles at the wall with our division. Honestly, 
you don't know what's going to be with the Brewers. Um, you know, they want to come out swinging. It's just, I'm happy the Dodgers aren't in. <laughs> Put it that way. They're going to kick some ass. They are on a mission, those guys. I mean, can they win 50 games? You know, the over-under is at 37 and a half. And, oh every, and, and everyone's taking Something the over fishy. and people, and, and people are taking the over. So I think that all you really needs to, you really need to know that, you know, people think that they're going to win, win at least 40 games and they get the 50. I don't know. I mean, that division seems like it'll be a little bit feistier. The diamondbacks might give them a little bit of a run for their money, but you know, they still will play the giants and the Rockies who aren't really going anywhere. Dodgers yeah. are going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's, we don't have to play them. So, they're not in our division. Um, like most years, NL Central is anybody's game when, frustratingly, it shouldn't with our organization and what we've accomplished. Yeah, you know. So um, just remember I hope that the are irrelevant. That's no rule number one. Yes. In Wrigleyville. Yes. It's on the it's on the sign of the door. It's sluggers. Yeah. Not welcome. Yeah, the Cardinals are <laughs> irrelevant. Not welcome. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, who, who have they picked up? What have they done in the offseason? I mean, they, you know, they lost their closer. Jordan Hicks has opted out for the season. You know, I think gotcha. for the Cardinals' sake, they think that Paul Goldschmidt bounces back. They think that they can play Matt Carpenter at DH and move some people around. They think that Jack Flaherty is going to take a step forward. Um, I think that's kind of what they're banking on a little bit. You know, yeah. for, for the Brewers, they're, they're, they're liking the concept that they can move Brian Braun to DH and they have more options in their outfield. But again, they're pretty much returning the exact same team. And you're starting to ask yourself, is Josh Hader hit his pinnacle or is he going to begin bringing in diminishing returns? And the Reds, you know, the Reds people are going gaga for Luis Castillo, who I'm not a big fan of. Trevor Bauer, who we know from the World Series, thank you very much, can implode at any moment. Sonny Gray doesn't really scare me a whole lot. And, you know, their offense is going to mash a little bit, but I'm kind of thinking it might be a little station to station. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being uh, naive. Maybe I haven't watched baseball in a while, but no one really scares me. I mean, we should be able to, with David Ross, put up 34, 35 wins and win this division. Okay, so you think 35 to 40? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, 30, I'm thinking 33. 40 is asking a lot. 40, no. that's, that's, that's 666 ball. Yeah, no, that's, 40 is too know. much. 33 is going to win the division. Anything over 33, I think you're going to get super close. And I think, What does Vegas have a match? Uh, Vegas has the Cubs at 32. Okay. Yeah, okay. has them at 32. Okay. And Pakoda has them at 31 and a half, which is actually surprising because Pakoda's been the absolute worst uh, to us the last couple seasons. We lost Ari on the call, but you know what? That's pretty much going to do it, folks. That was our Cubs preview with Ari Strauss. We're just super excited for baseball. It's going to be an unprecedented, crazy roller coaster time. Who knows what to expect? So all we can do right now is just fantasize and hypothesize. So thank you so much, Ari, for coming on to the show. Uh, the King of the King of Wrigleyville and the Prince of Sluggers. Today's episode was brought to you by Simply Safe. This was Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much again for listening. We got a couple more things coming your way before baseball gets underway. It is baseball week here at Believe in Betting Chicago. Thank you for checking us out. Uh, checking us out. Check out all the other great podcasts on the Believe Podcast Network, and we will talk to you soon. Until then, be safe, be kind, be good to each other, and we'll talk then.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.